This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Christy Landwehr in Aurora, Colorado. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for this Tuesday, October 19th, 2021. And we are at episode 2791. This episode is brought to you by the Certified Horsemanship Association. Good morning, Horse World. It's the third Tuesday of the month on Horses in the Morning. And that means we get deep into training, education, and horsey fun with Christy from the Certified Horsemanship Association. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. Christy, it's good to be back with you. You've had Jennifer the last couple of weeks, but uh, today you're stuck with me. I think it's great. I love that we get to, you know, (laughs) switch it around sometimes. I think it's super. Well, now, we we haven't talked a whole ton about it. We had a couple of uh, reports, but you, I saw, were at Equitana. So tell me a little bit about Equitana. I was. I was happy to go out there. You know, I live in Colorado, but our office is in Kentucky, so it's always fun when I get to go out and actually sit in my office. I have an office. It actually has furniture. You have an office in Kentucky? I do. I never knew that. We've been doing this show how many years, and I never knew that. Yeah, there it sits, this beautiful office where Terry, my uh, membership services director, works with her staff. And so, yeah, so I got to go in there and uh, see her and be able to see everyone else and then be in my office for, you know, a few hours. And then Do I they have be able a desk speak. for you or they just put oh, you in the... Oh, it's everything. Oh, it's even cherry wood. Wow. Oh, it's nice. <laughs> wow. I know. It's very fancy. <laughs> That's funny. I never knew house. that. Isn't that funny? And my desk at my house, Glenn, is particle board. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> like is all of ours. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So Pretty how good, was but- Equitana? You know, I liked it. I was able to speak a few times, which I always enjoy when I get to go speak. Um, And so that was fun. And they did actually the talks that I did were not with horses. They were more the lectures and they were on the floor of the vendor trade show area. So the vendors got to hear me and it was fun (laughs) because the vendors would come over and they'd say, hey, I want to know more about CHA. So it totally helped CHA having me speak on the vendor floor. So there you go. It was good. Well, that'd be good. Yeah, that, that that would be good for us too, because they're <laughs> they're the ones that end up buying ads at Horse Radio Network. So that's right. Yeah. Well, and did you get to watch any of the demos or anything? You know, I did get to walk around a little bit and chat with our friend. You know, Shauna Karish has done quite a bit with us right, in the past, right. and some of the others. So it was really fun to get to walk around, and it was beautiful weather. It was really quite lovely. Um, it rained a little bit on the last day, but it wasn't bad. So yeah, it was it was nice. I think. Um, it would be nice if they would keep doing it there because Kentucky's a great draw. The horse park is a great draw. So I guess we'll see what the future holds. Well, good. Well, I'm glad you had fun there and got you got to visit home home base uh, for the first time in probably two years. <laughs> so, Correct. Yeah. And uh, tell us, before we get in, I want to talk a little bit about something else you have coming up in a week or two here. Uh, but first, tell us what's on today's show. Yes. So very excited on today's show. We're going to take a deep dive into learning more about becoming a USDF bronze medalist, a vaulter or a vaulting coach, 
a personal trainer, and finding out more about how Mule Alley, which is where the American Paint Horse Association and others are housed, in the historic Fort Worth Stockyards. Speaking of that, the historic Fort Worth Stockyards, you're going to be there. Yes, and we are so excited to be there. Um, For those that haven't been, I am telling you, they have refurbished that, and they've done scenes from Yellowstone there. It is a oh my gosh, it is a legit tourist destination. And my incoming president, Kristen Jaworski, runs the Fort Worth Herd, which is where the Longhorns go down Exchange Avenue every day, twice a day, 365 days a year. And she's the trail boss for that deal. So she is hosting this event for us, and we're thrilled. And anybody listening, if you just get on our website, CHA.horse, you too can come. It's open to everyone with a registration fee. And anyone that says that you're with Horse Radio Network will get it at the CHA rate. You have heard it here. And that's uh, coming up when? It is coming up November the 10th, 11th, and sorry, the 9th, 10th, and 11th. So a couple of weeks. Okay, cool. And it's all happening right downtown there? At the, in it Fort is. Yeah. Yes. So the hotel is within walking distance of the Cowtown Coliseum where we're having the horse activities. We're going to actually ride the Drover horses that uh, take the Longhorns down Exchange Avenue. And we have a Hunter Jumper three-day event instructor of ours coming in for the English horses and bringing his school horses in. And then this is the most exciting thing, Glenn. We are having our food. awards banquet. You're in Fort Worth. Food is the most there exciting thing. There is good <laughs> food. Right. Yeah. And we're going to have our awards banquet at Billy Bob's, which is the largest honky-tonk in the world. Oh, wow. Everybody, yes. heard, if you've been there at all, you know what Billy Bob's is. That's terrific. So That's terrific. Yes, we were in for the CHA conference and uh, had one of the best steaks I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I mean, you go to Texas, you got to have a steak. It's just required, I think. I think so, too. They have great food and great shopping. Yes. I mean, they'll fix your hat right then and there at any store along the Exchange Avenue, boots, you just name it. I mean, they, they've got it all. And then, of course, the new John Wayne Museum just opened up. There's a ton of museums and things to go into. It's very active. People will not be bored. Jennifer's always wanted, Jennifer likes to do the uh, scenic tourist trains everywhere we go. And they have one that actually leaves out of Fort Worth. And we haven't ever done it. So one of these days. We'll Ooh, I didn't know about there. that. Yeah, we'll have to get over there and do it. It leaves right out of downtown. I mean, it's literally in downtown. <laughs> cool. We had one of the most fascinating interviews that I remember on this show was with an African-American gentleman who's a drover uh, in Fort Worth. And I think he's still doing it. He's, he was there for I years. I would agree. No, I would agree, because when I was there doing a site visit for this and also for the NFR that was held there this past December, um, they had a couple of them. Yeah. That were, the drovers are amazing. There's, um, you know, Kristen, there's a couple of girls, but it's mainly just Kristen and then uh, very period period clothing they wear. I mean, just everything. Well, they they tend to, when they get that job, they never give it up. (laughs) They they do it forever. You know, they're, they retire out of being a drover in Fort Worth and driving the cattle down the street. I would agree. It's anything in acting, right? I mean, you didn't retire being a king, but you know, we, we enjoy our past things. I didn't um, retire being a stable wench from medieval times either, but you know, (laughs) we like our acting career. You know, we still, we're still in entertainment. You know, I still consider myself an entertainer. You know, that's what we do here. You know, we still entertain people. 
Uh, so we never get away from it. Actors never t- truly get away from acting. You're always going to well, be doing it. Well, we have no idea, Glenn, but you might be wearing your king costume right now. I could be. I could be wearing my <laughs> crown, except I don't think it would fit with my headphones. I don't think it would work much. <laughs> well, let's get to our first guest, unless you have anything else, but I think we can probably go to our first guest, right? Yeah, let's dive right in. All right, let's uh, introduce her. Who Who do we have? Yeah, so we've got coming up first today is Cheryl West. She was born in Australia. She's a USDF, United States Dressage Federation bronze medalist, and she served eight years as a U.S. Army aviation helicopter crew chief. I'm looking forward to finding out more about that. Additionally, she's a CHA master instructor and certifier with us for English Western Jumping, our Instructors of Riders with Disabilities program, and our equine facility manager program. At 13, Cheryl began riding Western, then eventing, moved to Oklahoma to begin dressage, reining, and teaching. She's also a barefoot trimmer, and she's run a full-service facility with over 50 riders and 30 horses for many, many years. And just recently, she got her certified personal trainer qualification. So many things with Cheryl. It would be easier if you had just told us what she hadn't done. That's true. (laughs) It would have been much easier. She, uh, I think she was on our show before, wasn't she? I think in the past, yes. Yeah, I mean, long time ago. I kind of remembered the name. Yeah. Well, good. Well, let's get her on. Hi, Cheryl. Welcome to the show. Hi. So tell us a little bit more about where exactly you live in Oklahoma. Okay, so I live in a little town called Sand Springs, and there's really sand, and there's really springs here. Um, We're just west of Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, and we have some great trail riding out here because we live near a nice big river and the dam, and it's really a neat community community and we like it out here. Well, I feel very spoiled. I got to go and see her, Glenn, and we got to do an equine facility manager certification for CHA near you. And it is lovely where you live. I was very impressed. I didn't know that Oklahoma was the land of lakes until I went to see Cheryl. There's lots of them. I was shocked. It was wonderful. So I read a lot about you, and I'm going to dive into a bunch of different things about your life because I find it fascinating. So tell us a little bit more about your journey on becoming a USDF bronze medalist and about the horse that you did it on. Okay. So um, I kind of didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I've kind of done Western on the East Coast and jumping on the West Coast and just kind of back and forth. And when I was in the military, I had a really hard time finding places that I could actually learn how to ride. And so I traveled around all over the place and I found out pretty quickly that instructors, most instructors didn't really know how to ride really well or how to teach really well. They just kind of tell you what to do. So when I came to Oklahoma, I discovered dressage. Why I had to come to Oklahoma to do that, I'm not sure, but apparently is where I needed to be. And I discovered between reining and dressage that it was much more detailed and um, body-oriented, and it taught me a lot about how to communicate with the horse and how to sit with the horse and move with the horse in a way that was fluid for both of us. So then, of course, I came across this horse on accident. His name, we named him Comet. He was a Rhinelander. He was rescue. Um, So I picked him up and took him home, and we had to rehab him. He had some ligament problems. And my instructor at the time that I had, Roberta Clark, really helped me get 
connected to the source, and she helped me find the journey that it took to get him to listen and me to understand him enough to go through the levels and get up to third level. And it wasn't easy, but I think it was really well worth it. I love that story. I think that that is just great. It's the story of, you know, you kind of learning with an animal that might have had an interesting past and could have gone down an interesting road. And I mean, it's just a great story. So you threw in the word military there. And I also introduced you with um, some of your background in that. Tell us a little bit more about being a U.S. Army Aviation Helicopter Crew Chief. That's cool. Yeah, so actually when I first went in the military, you may not know this about me, but when I first went in, I actually went in as a mortuary affairs specialist. And if you don't know what that is, it is also called graves registration, which is where you work in the morgue and you work with the casualties of the military and you process bodies. And we did a little bit of search and rescue. And when I found out that they were going to send me to Vietnam for a year, I decided I needed to suddenly change jobs because I didn't think that would be very fun. And so I got No, it does not sound fun in any way, actually. No. The job itself was actually really interesting. It was going to Vietnam because there's nothing to do there. That was not so much fun. (laughs) But... But anyway, um, so when I changed, I changed to aviation, and that was actually a big passion of mine for a long time as a teenager also, besides horses. So I went into that, and I went to school for it, and I did all the mechanics and stuff, and I loved the job. The aviation was a good job. Um, It led me to Oklahoma, and so when I got out of the military at about eight years, I came to Oklahoma, I went to Spartan School of Aeronautics, and the aviation industry is really kind of up and down. So when I got laid off from that, I decided, okay, that's it, I'm going back to my number one passion, I'm going back to horses. And during my first two years of unemployment, I built up my business and discovered CHA, and that's what helped me get to where I am today. And if I hadn't found CHA, I'm not sure what would have happened because they really gave me some structure. That is true. Certified horsemanship, we do provide structure. There is definitely structure within it and kind of how to be a good riding instructor, equine facility manager, or even, I guess, a rider, right? Because all of us as instructors can give our riders levels. So, yeah, I I would agree. That's a really good point. And based on your background, structure is good. And sometimes in the horse industry, we're not very structured. So that I think that that's a really good way to put that. So your place now, of course, I've been there and I think it's lovely. Explain a little bit more about all you offer there at your facility to um, horses and riders. So we offer a lot of a little bit, kind of like me. I like to do a lot of different things. Um, We offer just regular English, you know, on the flat. Um, Of course, we offer dressage. Everything that we do, it has dressage-based or what I call classical foundation riding. Um, we do a lot of Western um, We and we jump. So we do that. We also do vaulting, which is fun. Um, it really helps support the other disciplines in making sure that the riders have balance and confidence on the horse um, to lead up to a better ride. So we do a lot of a little things. We encourage our riders to cross train and do more than one discipline. 
and they can focus on one, but we ask them to try another one to help them be um, really good across the board. Because now and then it you takes a Western trick to do a horse to get a horse to do something, or it takes something in dressage to get a horse to really understand what you're doing. And so that I think that crossover is really important. Well, I'll tell you, we are so excited to have you at our conference. We were just talking about how that's coming up in a few weeks. And one of the topics that you're going to be talking about for us is vaulting. Um, So can you tell us a little bit more about what attendees that come to conference can expect with that session? Yes, I'm so excited about this. There's actually quite a bit of vaulting down in Texas. Um, And just got in contact with a young lady that's going to come and help me with it down there. But we're, I'm going to bring my vaulting horse and all my vaulting equipment, including a barrel, and everybody's going to get a chance to work on the barrel and work through some what we call basic positions or compulsories. And they're going to do things that we like we call the mill, which is turning around 100 and, uh, 360 degrees. Gosh, I'm not good at math. Um, we do, we're going to teach them the flag, which is a really good exercise that we do in yoga. On, on the ground, um, how to kneel, and we're also going to give them the option to stand up at the, at the walk on the horse, which will be super exciting. We'll do everything on the barrel first so that they're safe. Um, we'll also do maybe, if we have time, some exercises on the ground to help them with vaulting, and then we'll try it on the horse at the walk. And we'll have a demo rider, too. This young lady is going to come down and, and help demo ride because I could not get any of my riders to do it but we have plenty of help still so did you have to get into vaulting because after being in a helicopter all that time doing crazy stuff this was the only thing thrilling enough was the fear of falling from heights well you know (laughs) i am afraid of heights really (laughs) (laughs) the helicopters Um, they're not my favorite thing but so being on a horse is nothing compared to being up in the air in the helicopter. However, doing the middle is kind of helicopter-ish like, so I guess there's a little similarity there. <laughs> I have one helicopter story I have to do at this point because I thought of you. So we were at an air show and I was actually doing a podcast from there, and they wanted us to go up in one of the one of the Vietnam. Uh, era helicopters and it was the one where the four seats on each side are are pointing out and the doors are open and okay. the seats had the old uh the old lap seat belts the old cloth lap seat belts from vietnam era too <laughs> and they had of course they had the doors open so our feet are hanging out that was the scariest thing i've ever done when they tilted <laughs> that helicopter and you're pointing straight down the only thing holding you in is that little lap seat belt from from 1960s that was terrifying um, we would fly the Blackhawks all the time with the doors open, and then they also had a hole in the bottom, and so they'd fly down the, the railroad tracks all the time, and we'd hang out of that square in the bottom and look down at the railroad tracks. That was really <laughs> thrilling. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, no, thank you. I've been in a helicopter once and they tilted. I was facing forward, though, Glenn, and they tilted on the side that had no door. And that's the side I was sitting on. I'm all done with that now. <laughs> <laughs> that. 
<laughs> well, I'll tell you about vaulting, which is so interesting. My boys, I don't know if you know this, Cheryl, but they were really into vaulting for a while there. And um, the coach that they worked with, um, she was so excited because she went, oh, my gosh, they're going to be big boys when they grow up. And then they can put all these little girls and they can do flying yeah. and they have the girls, right? And they could do this, all this gymnastic stuff. It's going to be great. And they got ready for their first competition, found out they had to wear tights and their vaulting career ended. <laughs> yes, that tends to ha- happen a little bit with the English breaches too. I've found it's like, no, it's not a big deal, really. Yeah, but my no son didn't have any problem. My Connor didn't have any problem with wearing English breeches at all. So he was one of the the rare ones. Yes, and I think that that's good because there's nothing wrong with that. You men can it's wear hey, and men can wear tights. It's for okay. ten years. I played a king. I wore a dress and tights. So there you go. Oh, there I mean, go. yeah, there. Exactly. People need to get over it. But I thought that was really fun. And then, so of course, one day the coach goes, "Well, hey, Christy, you get up." I go, "Okay." This five foot eleven body has never been a gymnast. There is not a nuance of my soul <laughs> that thinks I can do this. But okay, and bless her heart, if she didn't have me stand at the walk. So just like you're going to have our conference attendees do, I was able to actually get that done. But boy, I felt like I was really high up there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun, though. It's worth it once you do it. So, Cheryl, I know you're going to be talking a little bit at conference about um, physical fitness for the riders. So, tell us more about how you became a certified personal trainer. Yeah, so it was kind of that journey along the lines of trying to help riders become better equestrians and helping them improve their bodies so they can improve their riding. And fitness is super important for that. And I had to struggle through that journey of fitness and getting fit enough to ride, especially as much as I do now. Um, So I found a company called NASM, National Association for Science Medicine, and they do a whole curriculum. It took me about a year to go through and memorize all the muscles and how they work and where they insert. And it gets really complicated. And I did manage to pass the test on the first try, which was a huge deal for me um, because, you know, testing is always fun. Um, And so it has really helped me become a better instructor with teaching riders what muscles do what with the horse and which part of their body changes the position of their leg or where they might be weak at, where it's their hip flexors or the iliopsoas, which is actually two muscles, by the way, or their glute medius, which holds your leg back into position so that you're correctly sitting in the in the saddle and how indep- an independent seat is got has to be very, very strong in order for you to use your arms, your legs, and your shoulders separately from the movement of your seat. And so that has been a really fun, exciting journey to help a lot of my riders get stronger in in the saddle and in a home gym that I've slowly been creating to help riders be able to support what they do. Because you're an athlete. Even if you only ride your horse once or twice a week, you're an athlete and so is your horse. And, And so I think it's really important that part of that partnership is that we work hard to create strength in ourselves so that our partners, our horses can do the job that we're asking them to do. I'll tell you, you have elevated yourself by getting that, I think, from an instructor to a coach. 
because now you're at that really next level of being able to tell somebody detail work, right, about their muscles and how it works and how their physical fitness is a big deal. And I mean, just your abductors versus your adductors, right? There's so Mm -hmm. many things in regards to muscles that really make us better in the saddle. I love that you got that, and I wish more riding instructors would do so. Yes, it would. It definitely would make instructors a much more cohesive unit when they're when they're coaching their riders, especially when you get into these big, huge competitions for like the worlds or your or your medals or anything like that. You know, it takes a lot of work, and if you're just sitting up there and not strengthening, you're not always helping your horse be the best horse they can be. So tell us some of the exercises that you're having your riders do off the horse in their personal gym. I'm interested. And so one of the exercises that I'm going to do is actually going to use a cinch. So you take an old cinch you don't need and you attach it to an elastic band. And then we do different exercises with the legs and the hips and the glutes to help you be able to do um, your trot transitions better and to be able to canter more efficiently from your seat and not have to use as much leg. You know, you don't want to have to beat that poor horse into the canter um, and stuff like that. So we're going to do a lot of different things. Um, we're A lot of the stuff that we're going to use, you'll be able to get like on Amazon or Walmart or something. We'll use half balls and full balls and little balancing exercises and stuff that and all of it's going to just help you find different muscles and find where you're weak at and then how to create a stronger base in those muscles that are weak so that you're more fluid and more flexible and able to move better with the horse i i figured out real quick that when I even on comment when I got my USDF medal, if I could go back and do it again and do all the exercises that I do now, how much easier that horse would have been able to carry me if I had known then what I know now. I didn't realize how stiff I was through my lower back and through my hip flexors and how I wasn't I was strong in my abdominus rectus, which is your core muscles, but not in my iliopsoas and not in all those muscles that surround the pelvis. I love that. Is there another example um, of a rider that you have worked with that when they have realized their weak muscles and been able to fix those have come far? Oh, yeah. I have a story for you. I have a lady who has, um, she has psoriasis and it's the I can't think of the name of it right now but it's the kind that she actually has to go and get chemo for and when she started riding with her daughter six years ago she could physically only ride for 10 minutes at a time Um, and so we started working with her even back then I gave her exercises not as in-depth as she gets now about how to strengthen up and this year, we we slowly been increasing the exercises and the strength of them and the intensity. And this year, she was able to do two dressage tests at the walk and the trot by herself with no help. And she can get on a horse by herself now. Okay, that's now, huge. Yeah, six years sounds like a long time. But for this woman who has immunity issues... Her name is Amanda. She is an amazing lady, and she's been so strong. When she has bad days, she has to skip. She doesn't have a choice. 
But then she comes back and she works just as hard as she did as she left. And she rides two and three times a week. And at home, she um, she even tells me when she's done doing her exercises for accountability. And when she does her exercises at home, she lets me know and tells me how well she did. And it's just been so it'll it'll make me cry here if I'm not careful. But it's just been so amazing to see her journey. Oh, without a doubt, you have become not only her horseback riding instructor and her coach, but also her physical fitness trainer, right? So you've yes. done just yeah, such exactly. a variety of things. Yeah, I just love that. And, you know, they always say horses heal, um, and they do, and they heal us spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Oh, yeah. But when we as riding instructors can add more pieces to what we do, we're just going to become better for our clients. And you have certainly done that with your um, certified personal trainer qualification that you received. So I'm so glad that at our conference, um, so at the hotel, there's a bigger room and a smaller room for our two breakouts that we're doing on Tuesday, Cheryl. And I gave you the bigger room because I had a feeling you would probably move all those chairs to the wall. No more theaters. I- well. <laughs> and we're all going to be on the floor doing stuff. So you're in the bigger room so that you can make that happen. <laughs> yep. Yep. I will have some PowerPoint and stuff like that, but it'll be a guideline. Um, it'll be a pretty fluid class depending on what kind of issues we encounter and what kind of problems we have and, and where we need to strengthen some of the, the participants and stuff. So we'll do a little bit of evaling and then a little bit of trying different exercises and seeing what works. Glenn, you've probably gathered by now that Cheryl is not a lecturer. Cheryl is more of a hands-on, let's get in and get it done presenter. And that's why we love having her come back to our conference year after year and do different things for us. Well, that's terrific. And you know, uh, it makes sense because she, I mean, a woman that hangs out of a bottom of a helicopter is not going to be normal. (laughs) Right. I mean, yeah, there's no normal in my life. It's not going to be boring either. That's for sure. (laughs) Oh, that is very true. So, Cheryl, let um, people know how can they find you, especially if they live there in the Tulsa area and want to come see your facility. Um, So, you can find me on westhorse.net. Think of like a horse hay net. Um, or you can find me on Facebook through West Equestrian Connected Ride. Um, or you can look up my name, Cheryl L. West, on Facebook. Or if you just Google West Cheryl West Equestrian, it should come up right away. Very good. Well, we are so excited to have you in just uh, three weeks now at our conference. And we are also so excited to just have you on the show today. I really appreciate that you took the time to come on. Thank you. Absolutely. It's hard to say no to you, Christy. (laughs) Thanks, Cheryl. (laughs) We'll see you soon. Okay, sounds great. Well, she was fascinating. Fun, huh? She does so much stuff. Why do people who are, like, scared of heights end up hanging out of helicopters? I don't know. (laughs) That was great. And on on purpose. She chose that. I know. (laughs) Well, it was that or the morgue. So, I mean. That's right. I I know. know. If you have to choose between those two, I think helicopter might be better than morgue. Yes. You know, she said, I found that fascinating. Not me. I'm out. I can't even do horror movies. So, there's that. No. Mm. She must be very scientifically based in her mind. Yeah, I'm not into slasher movies. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> Halloween, I don't even like everybody in this sh- that listens to this show knows I hate Halloween. It's one of, it's my least favorite holiday. 
I just yes, don't like how I, I've never liked Halloween. I just don't I'm like not trick a big or treaters. You don't like trick or treaters. I don't like trick or treaters. Turn all your lights out. Well, we live fortunately in a neighborhood now where we don't get any. It's all like seniors. But uh, even when we lived in places we did, Jennifer did that. I did not do. I did not participate. I just never did. <laughs> <laughs> so I love it. <laughs> anyway, who's our next guest? Well, next up. Well, we have first, let's give the website for the CHA again. Uh, oh, of course we I'm, can do that. Yeah. yeah. So it's um, CHA.horse. And if you go on there and just hit on the uh, education conference tab to find out more about um, Cheryl and also now Samantha, who is going to be at our conference in just three weeks. But it's CHA.horse. Okay, great. So up next, we have Samantha and Garbriano, and Samantha learned how to ride on a Welsh mountain pony. She worked at local stables to be able to attend jumping shows, fox hunting, hunter trials, and eventing. She actually studied at Portsmouth University in England, which is where she grew up. Then she moved from England to Texas and started to still do eventing competitions, but then at the national and FEI level. She's an architect by work trade, which took her throughout the U.S. and out of the country, and she's worked on so many projects. We'll have her chat about them all when she's on. With her love, knowledge, and experience of equines and historical buildings, though, she became immersed in the history of the Fort Worth stockyards and the culture there. After six years, the Horse and Mule Barns project is now complete and is called Mule Alley. She was the main architect on there with her firm, and it has won a ton of awards. Hmm. We always, I always say the horse people in the world, when you take a look at their real jobs, I'm always impressed. You know, so because yes. some of our, even the, our, you know, our listeners and everybody, they have such interesting jobs. But we never talk about that because all horse people talk about is horses. So, uh, but this is fascinating. Hi, Samantha. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm very excited to be on the show today. Um, this is actually my third, first podcast. <laughs> Ooh, we get a newbie, Glenn. That's super fun. <laughs> we can do anything we want today. <laughs> it's like freshman time. I right? know. I know. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should let that cat out of the bed. <laughs> I know. This is great. So, Samantha, tell us a little bit more about where you live in Texas. Um, I live in Argyle, um, which is just south of Denton in North Texas, um, on five acres um, with four horses. Five five cats and two dogs and a husband. <laughs> That's great. And I love Why the is the husband last. always last? Always last. <laughs> Every single time. <laughs> I'm 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 gonna well, hang he, up now. I'm going away. <laughs> he, he's not he's not last. It's just um he, that's the order of which people get fed in this house. <laughs> oh, <laughs> See, that's even he is last. Every single time. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's awesome, Samantha. So go ahead and also, though, let us know, because I, I have a hint of an accent going on. Yeah. So where were you originally before Texas? Um, I come from a very small village in the Cotswolds um, called Milton under Witchwood. It's in a, um, what was a royal um, forest that co- covered thousands of acres. It's not quite so much now. Um, and it's right in um, the kind of heart of eventing in the UK um, and hunting and everything else. And it's very picturesque. Um, if you go watch the movie The Holiday, that kind of little village area, or Dalton Abbey, that's kind of filmed in the area that I come from. Nice. So tell us a little bit more about your journey with horses in England and then when you moved here. Um, 
I, my husband says that I was born obsessed. Um, I have to kind of agree with him. I've always been very animal orientated, but particularly in horses. Um, don't come from a horsey family. My, well, my oldest sister did take riding lessons, which I was envious. But I was lucky enough that one of my um, sort of primary school, which is like elementary school friends, had a Welsh mountain pony. And I would do anything to ride it. Um, and we just used to ride it bareback, do stupid things. Not surprised I haven't got more injuries from back then. Um, and then I was lucky enough that there was um, a local private stables that gave lessons and I started having lessons there. And then they saw that I could stick on ponies. So I used to go with them to the sales, buy the ponies, we trained them and then sell them on. And they taught lessons too. And I got to ride, <coughs> excuse me, big hunters. We did show jumping. We went hunting. Um, and then kind of got the eventing bug. Um, not necessarily the dressage part that came later, but the definitely go run jump was was a big thing. Um, so I just used to get thrown on different horses and ponies and um, kind of stuck there. I, when she said, when you it, said I used to get thrown, I had something else envisioned because my wife was an inventor too. So <laughs> I was, was like, <laughs> there was, yeah, there was that too. <laughs> <laughs> my my husband says that I. He he used to be very concerned when I got injured and went to ER. Now he just sort of says, do I have to take you or can you drive yourself? So, <laughs> Well, actually, the last time my wife broke an arm, she drove herself to the hospital. I came home and she was in a cast. So, oh. yeah. yeah, that's a tough eventer. Eventers are the only ones, I think, in the horse world that are at that point because everybody else breaks stuff occasionally. You guys just break stuff all the time. It's, yeah. The, Eventers are hardcore. Yeah, that... Uh-huh. We we kind of are. I don't know if it's um, one of the professional riders said, eventers say, it was actually William Fox Pitt said, the best eventers are actually the ones that are just a slightly a little bit dumb because then they don't really care about when they break things or hurt <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm not going to tell my wife you said that, actually. I was going to say you said that. Um, but but yeah, I have to admit, I did ride cross country with a broken hand. I just put my roller blade um, hand cover on and just rode like that, and then went to the doctors on the Monday to get a cast. So yeah, we are a little stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you went from England to Texas and started riding eventing at real high levels. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough. Um, when I came over, I was lucky enough to find a farm. And I volunteered there for a bit whilst I was get my work permit sorted out um, and um, got onto a program with them. And they did a lot of eventing. And I was lucky enough to find a young horse that I brought up through the levels. Um, we finished at um, Two Star um, before she got pregnant and she hurt herself. And then my next horse, we kind of did the same and actually went a bit further. So, um, yes, uh, it's um, it's definitely was a... a but the grounding that I had, everything that I learned when I was in the UK, definitely kind of helped me when I, when I got over here um, to kind of go up the ranks, I have to say. Well, I think that's wonderful. And what I think is also fascinating about you, Samantha, is that you have a non-horsey full-time job called architecture. Can you tell us a little bit more about that journey? That journey, yeah. That one was... Um, when I was younger, I thought I was going to be a vet, but I'm not quite smart enough to do that. I'm actually dyslexic, which makes things a little bit tricky when it comes to writing and stuff. So drawing, I've always been really good at. And I always like 
building camps and damming streams and stuff like when I was a kid. And one of my friends was um, was an architect. And I used to see, you know, what he was doing. And then my sister happened to look up different qualifications of what the A-levels that were doing back in England that you do before you go to university, what I could use my um, exams for. And architecture came up and I kind of started learning more about it. I thought, you know what, I, I think I could do this. And so after seven years of training... Um, I finally qualified and I practiced in the UK um, a lot on historical buildings. There's a lot of historical buildings around where we live, new new build stuff, but all sorts of things, a lot of agricultural um, conversions too. Um, so when I came to the US, I married my husband, who I met when I was five. Um, his family lived in the village after his dad was in the Vietnam War and they were stationed in England. Um, they came back 20 years later and Nine months after that, I moved to the States with him. Um, so that's kind of another story. Um, and architecture here was a little bit more booming than it was in the UK. So that's why I came this way and was lucky enough to work with a firm that did all sorts of stuff. So I, I got to travel most of the US, parts of the world as well. Um, I got to work with... Um, some uh, Native American tribes, which was super cool on some of the casino stuff that we did and some museum stuff. And then I also um, was lucky enough to work with a few people out of Hollywood, um, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg on a couple of buildings to do with the USC and I got to do some higher education stuff. But after 17 years traveling around, getting on flights to go to site, got a little bit old. Um, and I decided I'd much rather... Um, drive down the road like I did when I was in England to the site and be more part of the, of the local community. So um, I got a job with the architecture firm in, um, in Fort Worth and I've been there now six years. Um, and when I joined, it was right when they got the project that I'm going to be talking about. Uh, so I, I have to say, Christy, you booked the most fascinating guest today because, I mean, so I'm kind of still stuck on the dyslexic person uh, designing buildings and stuff. Uh -huh. Do all the doors open backwards? Um, do you have issues <laughs> like that? Are the outlets upside down? Or uh... Actually, no. Actually, um, it's really funny. So there is a lot of architects that are actually dyslexic. Um, a lot of really famous ones are. Um even some not so famous ones like myself, um, but they are. And because we don't see in words and numbers, we actually see in pictures. Mm. Um, and a lot of the time we see Tweety in our heads when other people have to see it, you know, in the computer. Mm. So it's, it's actually, I wouldn't say easier for us, but it's, it's a lot simpler for us to draw pictures of the things that we want to either talk about or, um, you know, work with than it is actually us writing stuff. Um, if I write, I still write N backwards. Um, I still got numbers mixed up. Um, but it's very rarely that I have a door that's going in the wrong direction or things like that. Um, it's, 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 and it's kind of just a, and that's one of the reasons I did architecture is because it is 
more of an environment for you know for people who do see it in images rather than seeing words like i would be useless as an accountant or So somebody, okay, we'll end on this, or at least for this part. Uh, Somebody double checks all your measurements to make sure the building's the right length, right? Um, Just checking that part. Yes. Okay, good. Yes, we have a QC, and also somebody checks my spelling (laughs) and my grammar, too. I love you. See, it's perfect, though, how it all works out, right? We all have our strengths. I think that is awesome, and I never thought about it like that. I never thought about it as seen in pictures. I think that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. That makes complete sense. So now that you're there in Fort Worth and you got involved in the Mule Alley project at the Stockyards, tell us more about that. That one. So as I was just alluding earlier, when I joined BBP, they had just – been given the horse and mule barns um, by so there's a lot of development happen, happening in the stockyards and quite a bit is because of local families that brought um, areas in the stockyards and got the, the historical designation back in the 70s um, it's kind of moved on to the next generation and they wanted you know to stop the buildings from being dilapidated and falling down or being demoed um, they paired up with a developer, which was another family-based one, but out of California, which kind of didn't sit right when I first started with a lot of the shareholders in the stockyards, understandably, because somebody out of town. Um, but they were willing to, you know, put forth the money and the effort and the time um, to sort of resurrect these these um, barns. And the barns themselves are very unique. I don't think... Doing lots of research that I did on the history of them and also just other similar buildings throughout the United States, there is really nothing like this particular set of buildings. They were built in 1912 um, after the original wood ones burnt down. And they are brick. Uh, they have brick, low-bearing exterior walls. And then they their structure is like a steel and concrete sort of lattice work. It's pretty cool to see the, the columns underneath there fireproof case in which they covered them in concrete. So at the time, they were like the sort of best possible um, construction type that you could have for any type of livestock, um, especially horses, because they were fireproof. They had great ventilation. They've got these clear story roofs with loads of glass. And they, you know, when you walk down between the two barns, you almost feel like you're on a residential street because the sort of two Two, two levels of windows and the openings and everything. It's very unique and it's its own little sort of um, sort of space. And the Mule Alley is the area between the two barns in between. And there are 180,000 square foot. So they housed almost 3,000 equines um, at one time. And it was the biggest um, equine market sort of back um in the first and sort of almost the second world war. So there's a lot of history. Um, there's a lot of architectural detail in there for me. The spaces inside are super cool. Like everybody always goes in sort of wow. And it was just really heartwarming to be part of that because of the equine side, but also the architectural side and the fact of just giving these barns new life and, and you know, m- making them be something that's going to be Enjoyed and part of people's lives moving on into the future that they weren't um, they weren't just sort of left to fall down. We are so excited to be there. We're going to have our board meeting um, that week at the American Paint Horse Association building. Um, 
And we're thrilled. You're gonna be, uh, yeah, you're going to be upstairs in the Hall of Fame. That's such a neat space. Yes. Yeah. We're, and they have an amazing staircase that goes up to it, too. I think our board will be thrilled to be able to be a part of that. So um, tell us more about the attendees that we are going to have, and you're going to be talking to them about how it was all restored and developed. Are there any mm-hmm. uh, little tips and tricks that you can tell our listeners now that might not be able to attend of what you're going to talk about during that? Um, there are there are some cool things that we got to do. Um, unfortunately, there are two types of bar. When you look at the buildings, they have different uh, different elevations. Like it doesn't look like the same building as you walk around because of the the way that it was originally designed. And we were lucky enough to find the original construction drawings. So it was neat to see what what was it was even more planned than what got constructed. We we have this thing called value engineering that happens in architecture, and it's where you do a design, it gets priced, and then the the client or the owner goes, yeah, I can't afford that. And so you start stripping it back down. And you can see after what got constructed and what was originally on the drawings. We actually added um, a couple of things that didn't get constructed in the original buildings, but were on the drawings. We actually put those in. So that was kind of neat to sort of finish those elevations. And then one of the barns, uh, barn F, barn F and barn D are like twins. Um, and then the other barns are slightly bigger, but Barn F had a fire back in the 40s. And so we were able to come back in because the original roof and back wall had um, been had to be demolished. We, came, we were allowed to come back in and do something modern there. And so that's the one that has the glass retractable roof and the glass walls at the back that all slide up. And that's where the second rodeo is. And so that's kind of a cool uh, juxtaposition between you know, the history and then the new um, kind of bringing in and sort of bringing that that barn back to life. So that's kind of cool. And a lot of the spaces when you see, when you walk around the barns from the outside and then when you go in, you'll be just amazed at the the character inside them. And all of the tenants love their spaces. Like they all get super excited about going to work in them. So I'm going to kind of touch on how we managed to divide a hundred and 80,000 square foot up into leasable spaces and then how we regenerated some of the areas like to Marine Creek and Mule Alley um, and to obviously to the south now to the Drover as well and then how we managed to pull um, the openings that face exchange which were very uh, controversial um, but kind of needed to happen to be able to make the, the project work. So I'm going to touch on all of those sort of things. Uh, obviously, we had some other issues structurally wise. We still do, um, and kind of a few like cool things that we found, like somebody's signature up in the towers that obviously was there when it was constructed, um, and you know those kind of sort of t- um, sort of sensitive personal um, parts of it. I love it. I cannot wait. I think our attendees are going to just absolutely love hearing your talk and then actually walking around and seeing it all. So tell us, Samantha, how can people find out more about you if they want more information on um, you and want to contact you? Um, uh, They can contact me. We've actually, um, (laughs) the company I work for, we have just changed our names. Um, we were Bennett Benner Partners, but um, Mr. Benner no longer works with us. So we're now Bennett Partners. Um, we are um, 
we're in downtown Fort Worth. We're in the new um, Frost Tower, which we actually designed. So you can you can look up our website, um, which is it's still bbpkx.com at the moment. It is about to change, but the link will take you still to there, and you can kind of see um, what we've done. Um, I'm actually an associate there, so there's my mug shop. It's needs updating. It's pretty bad. Um, but and then you can see, you know, what our firm has done in the community, and and also the other buildings that we're also doing down in the stockyards too. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on today, Samantha. I'm so looking forward to seeing you in just a few weeks. Yes, I'm so looking forward to you, to um, being able to explain the barnster and give everybody the sort of insight. And um, also, obviously, for me, being on the equine side, I'm always happy to go and talk to other horsey people um they're my people that's right well we'll see you soon thank you thanks samantha thank you so much well there you go that was you had the most fascinating guest today it was fun yeah it was really fun she's 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 a hoot (laughs) yes i think cheryl and samantha might have fun together too yes i think so (laughs) they seem very similar in personality style I'll have to make that connection for <laughs> And I know the area where she grew up because uh, when we did our last trip to England, we went to Highclere Castle and so oh. went around that area. So we know exactly the area where she grew up. And it's very old. I mean, the towns are old. It's just everything in England's old. But, you know, where she started her career, uh, you know, all those buildings are 400 years old. So, yeah, that's very cool. How neat is that? We have the most fascinating people in our world. We do, and it never gets old. There's always somebody brand new that's never been on the show before. That's Isn't that correct. Crazy? Yeah, that's true. Or ever that's been crazy. on a podcast before, apparently. Correct. So. <laughs> she was brand new to podcasting in general, and she did great for her debut. Didn't she did. She? she was terrific. She's an inventor. They're pretty good. They're, they don't, you yes. know, they. <laughs> there's nothing that scares inventors. So very brave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, again, the website is. Yes, we are cha dot horse instead of dot com. And come and check it out for Certified Horsemanship Association. See the conference tab. See clinics. See all of our webinars we do. See all the different education, all the videos. And most of it is available at your fingertips just through our website. And we'll put a link to everything that we talked about today in the show notes right there on your podcast player. You'll find it there. Jamie will be back tomorrow. And then Thursday is the fox hunting episode. And then we'll have some more really bad ads for you on Friday. Get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. Thank you, Christy. Good luck at the conference. Thanks, Glenn. Have a steak for me. Unless you're a vegetarian, have some tofu for me. 